From Massachusetts to Connecticut, Midland to Houston, Washington, D.C. to Kennebunkport, and all places in between. This is the Texas Standard for Monday, December 3rd. I'm Laura Rice, in for David Brown, and today we're remembering President George H.W. Bush. At this point, you well know that Bush died late Friday night at his home in Houston. He was 94. Many of us, though, didn't find out on Friday. We woke up to the information Saturday morning. While it wasn't a shock, perhaps, it's still shocking to see a page in history turn. Bush had a form of Parkinson's disease and had been in and out of the hospital recently. Some have opined that perhaps the true cause of his death was a broken heart. His wife of 73 years, Barbara, died less than eight months ago. George H.W. Bush made politics and public service his life's work. He served in World War II and later built a career in the Texas oil industry. He was also, as we well know here in Texas, the patriarch of a political family, father to a president and former governor of Texas, and another generation of Bushes now serving in Texas government. Himself considered by many to have been the most successful one-term president, guiding the nation through a rough period in history his legacy seemingly already largely apparent. Mark Updegrove is president and CEO of the LBJ Foundation and the author of The Last Republicans about both Presidents Bush. He spoke with Texas Standard host David Brown about the 41st president. It's worth mentioning that George H.W. Bush, before he died, was at the center of more history than any living American, without question. Uh, he was in World War II. A, and a, a hero. hero. A yeah. hero in that war. Absolutely. Shot down. His two crewmates, uh, Ted White and John Delaney, died. Never emerged from the Pacific. He did, was was uh, rescued miraculously by a submarine that popped out, uh, rescuing him from almost certain capture from the uh, the, the, the Japanese. Yeah, amazing story. Amazing, amazing story. story. So he was in World War II, uh, one of the, the last and best of the greatest generation. Came here to Texas to get in the oil business, which was fledgling at the time, but which would boom. Later, when it went into Congress, he ran for the Senate twice in 64 and 70, defeated both times, but in between became a congressman. So he was in Washington during the Lyndon Johnson years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, when the Great Society was being built by LBJ. Afterward, though, after having been defeated uh, for that Senate seat in 1970 mm-hmm. by Lloyd Benson. He went on to a series of appointments with Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford, uh, and then comes back to the United States to be the director of the CIA before going on to a period of a uh, few years in the political wilderness, right. and then running for president in 1980. And people forget about that aspect, his, that the fact that he ran for president in 1980. He wasn't a natural... I don't. I think a lot. It would probably be fair to say he wasn't the most gifted uh, campaigner. I suppose you could say. No, he wasn't. But I, I, his experience spoke volumes. Right, I mean, right. he probably has had as much or more experience than any U.S. president that we've had. And he, there was, there's a certain genuineness about George Bush. He makes, he, he made friends very, very easily, and I think that helped in uh, states like Iowa and New Hampshire, where retail politics comes into play. Mm-hmm. People got to know not only him, but his wife, Barbara, and their family. And they, they, there's a sort of this infectious uh, attraction that ensued. And he ran neck and neck with Ronald Reagan for a while. And then Ronald Reagan in, in New Hampshire beat him rather roundly. Right. And then rescues Bush from political obscurity by bringing him on to his ticket. Uh, when he ran in 19, uh, it would have been 88, 
Bush ended up carrying the nation, uh, something like what, what was, I don't remember the final electoral victory, but it seems like it was something in the neighborhood of like uh, 300 to 111 or something along those lines. It was lines. decisive, yeah. Yeah, it was decisive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and as you look at that presidency, here was a, a leader who, well, in his inaugural address, he made it clear that he was willing to project American political power. And in fact, uh, fairly early on, uh, you had the uh, invasion of Panama. Uh, you had uh, Somalia. Uh, you had, of course, the Persian Gulf War, yeah, for yeah. example. Yeah, he portended in that in that speech, uh, probably his best political speech, the inauguration speech that he gave in, in 1989. He talks about a new breeze blowing throughout the mm -hmm, world. Mm -hmm. And that portends the collapse of the Soviet Union and the fall of the Berlin Wall, or not in that order, but vice versa. Uh, it, it portends the new world order that would emerge during the course of his tenure as president. And, and frankly, the new world order that he would help to engineer as president. It's funny, as I was looking back at some of the um, uh, things that have been written about George Bush, before there was such a thing as a meme, George Bush had so many little lines that were, would end up being associated with him and, his, and, in fact, his presidency. One of them was new world order. Another one was a kinder, gentler nation. Uh, what did he mean by a kinder, gentler nation? Well, I, I think just that. The, the, during the Reagan years, we saw great prosperity. I think the rich got a lot richer. And, and a lot of the poor were left behind. We saw a tremendous spike in homelessness. The underclass grew. And it was something that we didn't talk about a great deal. AIDS was ravaging the United States right. and, and, and other parts of the world. That was unaddressed. I think Reagan mentioned the word AIDS once during the course of his presidency. What, what Bush was saying is we need to be more compassionate. Was he sincere about those feelings or was, were these political platitudes designed to sort of broaden, the, uh, open up the tent, if you will? Well, I think they were certainly uh, uh, thrown out there to open up the tent, but they speak to the Bush ethos, the value set that you saw with George and Barbara Bush and that they inculcated in their children. And that was a decency, civility, humility, and putting service above self. Um, he grew up in, in great privilege in, in Greenwich, Massachusetts, went to prep schools and went on to Yale. Right. This, this was a person who was not lacking in anything when he was growing up. You could say the same thing for Barbara Bush. At the same time, he learned lessons, particularly at his mother's knee. One was, you're not entitled to anything. You've been, you've been born on third base. You're lucky. And the importance of giving back. Also, she would constantly say, George, don't be a braggadocio. When you think about George H.W. Bush, the, the person, in, especially in his later years, I know Barbara Bush used to joke about how uh, he uh, could run for, for John Boehner's seat because he you know, would cry at the drop of a hat as he got older. Yeah. Uh, what sort of person was he? What was he like to be around? Wonderful. He was absolutely delightful. Uh, very humble. When you walked into George Bush's office, you weren't seeing a great man. You, know, you weren't seeing this, this puffed up character. Uh, he was very, as I mentioned, he was very, very humble, a great storyteller, hmm. had a wonderful sense of humor, and just pleasant to be around, just a, a delight to be around. Yeah, what accounts for the reports much later in life about, you know, him um, uh, pinching the bottoms of women and photo opportunities and, and that sort of thing that came out uh, just a few years ago? You know, it doesn't square with his character. But it's, it's something that he didn't deny. In fact, he was, he was contrite about it, which you, you have to give him credit for. I think part of it was that 
Uh, he was in a wheelchair and his hands were in very awkward places when, mm. uh, you know, people would, would, uh, uh, get photographs with him. I, I'm not going to say that it was appropriate in any way, shape or form, regardless of what generation you're from, but I, I don't think he saw it as egregious as it turned out to be. Do, do you think that the, that the allegations in a, in a way hurt him, uh, or, or no, is there any way of knowing how he reacted? Uh, I don't know if they hurt him or not. I think he was a little surprised. He did say, I know, uh, to his chief of staff, it's, it's, but it's a great joke, isn't it? She said, no, no, we're not making that joke anymore. Mm, mm. Uh, and I think he was uh, making light of the situation, not because he didn't sympathize with those who he made the joke with, but uh, I, I'm not sure how, he knew how to react. You think he wanted his son to be president? I don't think there's any question that he wanted his children to follow him into the arena. However, George Bush was not one to be heavy-handed as a parent. I think the, the Bush's parental philosophy was inculcate your kids, instill good values in your children and let them find their way, support them. They revere public service over anything. And I think the highest expression in their view of public service is getting involved in politics, becoming an elected official. So when George Bush left the presidency in 1993, I think if he was not depressed, he was certainly deflated. That's hmm. what George W. Bush told me at a certain time. When his sons, uh, Jeb and George W., both uh, decided to run for their state houses in their respective states, Florida for Jeb, Texas for George W., I think it gave him renewed life. Mark, as a, as a historian, um, I wonder if you would take off your historian's hat for just a moment and, and I wonder if you'd share with us some kind of personal reflection or, or, or memory that you have about um, President Bush. Maybe uh, might be something uh, related to uh, getting to meet him or uh, uh, having conversations with him. Is there a moment that sort of stands out to you? The, the, the memory that burns brightest for me is we were sitting in his very small uh, and spare office in Kennebunkport. Uh, I was doing an interview for The Last Republicans, and we were so close our legs were touching in fact, uh, just the two of us. And I asked him if he would have taken the same course that his son took in Iraq. Hmm. And he thought about it. And this is, this is, of course, the question that every historian wants to know. And, I, and he hadn't talked about it until then. And he said, well, I don't know. He said that a lot. Said, well, I don't know. He said, but yeah, I think so. And at that moment... I didn't know if I was hearing the views of a former commander in chief or whether I was hearing a protective father. And I think it was probably the latter. It was a very touching and tender moment. Mark Updegrove is the author of The Last Republicans. He is also president and CEO of the LBJ Foundation. Thank you so much for speaking with us on the Texas Standard. We appreciate you sharing your reflections of uh, George H.W. Bush. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> 